0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the brand new season of What The Fintech, podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. I hope the new year has got off to a great start for all of our listeners, and you're all excited for season five of your favorite Fintech-focused podcast. As ever, we'll be chatting with a host of experts to bring you even more insights into the wonderful world of financial technology over the course of this year, so we're very much looking forward to getting started. As always, my name is Paul Hindle, editor at FinTech Futures. And to kick things off on this first episode of 2024, we're joined by Hangwe Mwambadzi, Principal and Head of Africa at Commas Ventures. Hangwe, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Excellent, excellent. How has the new year been for you so far?
1: Also a good start, you know, looking forward to an exciting year ahead. I think all indicators say that it, it should be. But yeah, looking forward to like new starts. I think from a, a work perspective, there's been a lot going on across the, the continent over this last year, a lot of changes. I think the, what is called the funding freeze finally sort of caught up in full effect to Africa. And so quite a few adjustments being made across the, the ecosystem. But yeah, looking forward to a lot of exciting things emerging in this next year.
0: Sounds great. And we'll hopefully be diving into a bit of that uh, shortly. Just to get started, we'd like to quickly let us know then a bit more about yourself then and and your role at Commerce Ventures.
1: Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm the head of Africa for Commerce Ventures, which means that I look after essentially all things coming through Africa from a deal opportunity perspective. We have three investments that we've made on the continent out of our our funds, the last two of which were made in roughly the last year or so. And I think as of this year, actually, I'll also be covering a bit of the UK scene, so spending a bit more time in London, so that should be quite exciting as well. Personally, background-wise, I'm broadly from a financial services background, actually. So I started off in investment banking at Deutsche Bank, spent some time at early stage impact investing in South Africa before moving over to the UK a number of years ago and ended up working for the British International Investment BII, focusing on sub-Saharan Africa from an investment mandate perspective. Before moving back to, to South Africa to join Barclays Africa, just on the, the cusp of leaving um, sort of divesting its investment in the continent, where I was essentially looking after the digital strategy for the group across Africa, but also that evolved into a, a role that was more focused on new growth opportunities for the bank in terms of looking for, for any spots of, of interest outside the, the business as usual. So, whether it was mobile money or remittances or cross border payments, and in fact, spent quite a lot of time with fintechs across the continent um, looking for, for new opportunities there, which was the perfect sort of segue to pivot into, back into the investing landscape, focusing on fintech specifically.
0: Excellent. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time out to speak with us this week. Um, on the show this week, we'll be focusing on the, the fintech scene in Africa, including some of the key trends in development areas being seen in different markets across the continent some of the technologies and verticals that are seeing the most investment activity, some key advice for founders when it comes to scaling a new startup and the parallels between European and African fintech ecosystems. So that's all to come a bit later. But as always, to get us started is our news and numbers segment. So this is where our guest has gone out and found a news story featuring an interesting number to discuss. So Hangui, what have you brought along for us today? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's an article that came out of, and unfortunately, the I think the stats for this year or the last year have not come out yet, but it's an article that came out mid last year that said that two thirds of global mobile money transactions or payments essentially happened in Africa. That was amounting to, I think, just over 800 billion worth of transactions in that space. And the reason I found that interesting is because around about the, the same time, I also noticed an article that was talking to Visa and MasterCards and their sort of forays and explorations in Africa and how they are competing for to find the next new opportunity as the world's largest card schemes in a continent that still has such strong growth potential. And it occurred to me that the, the likes of Visa and MasterCard, you know, they call businesses is card payments. But if you look at Africa, where a lot of the markets here essentially are still cash-driven, Cash is still very much king in, across most of the continent, actually. The fact that cards have not been adopted, I think, as strongly as would have been expected across the continent. And I think the, the evolution or the development and growth of platforms or, or tools such as mobile money has largely overshadowed that in terms of reach and usability and, and access, really, across the, the continent. So it begged the question, I think at the time, that this might be the beginnings of you know, what we see as another leapfrogging in the African ecosystem and where cards, by and large become a bit of an obsolete thing across the continent. And we just find and, and innovate and find new ways of doing things to solve the, the problems that we find across the ecosystem. So yeah, it was an interesting little tidbit to, to see how much of that ecosystem, or at least for mobile money, is dominated by Africa.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I had a quick look at the the article you mentioned as well. So this was data from the State of the Industry Report on Mobile Money by the GSMA. They mentioned that the, the value of mobile transactions in 2022, 1.26 trillion. And hmm. sub-Saharan Africa alone making up 836 billion of that, which is a huge portion, as you yeah. mentioned, two thirds there. What do you think it is that's been driving this uptick then in in mobile money transactions in Africa? And why do you think it's leapfrogged cards and just gone from cash to the mobile money?
1: I mean, in a lot of ways, right, this probably kind of comes down to the fact that the formal financial system that exists, at least in maybe the more Western definition of it, has been largely not as inclusive as it, it could be, right? So for instance, even just the basic act of opening up a bank account most people still would not qualify to have a bank account because they do not meet the minimum risk criteria, et cetera, to to onboard a new client, let alone be offered a credit card or just a normal card, et cetera, on that account. So people found ways to use the technology and, and the resources that they had available to them. And this would coincide with how sort of the mobile phone penetration, which is another example of leapfrogging in Africa where the telephone never really became a thing and we just jumped straight into mobile phones. But you know, that really opened up the consumer landscape to opportunities that they were otherwise largely inaccessible to most people. So most people have a phone, even if it is just a feature phone. And mobile money, the beauty of it is that it, it operates across sort of all point out. It it's not an app per se. It was developed on USSD in, in essence. And so the access that that creates for the majority of people that's something like having a bank account with a card when 50% of the population doesn't have formal identification even just to to open an account means that things like mobile money very easily take precedence over the more closed off ecosystems that we find around financial services
0: yeah i mean looking forward i mean with wider smartphone penetration more tech savvy customers as well in how do you see these trends kind of growing as we move towards maybe the latter half of this decade, maybe further
1: than that as well? Interestingly enough, someone once said to me that fintech is, is perhaps in an, in an African landscape, probably not as inclusive as we like to think it is because most of the, at least the modern technology and, and applications for the financial services that are being developed today are smartphone app dependent. In fact, when I was still working with Barclays African now, Absa. In some of our African markets, when we were being questioned about the investment that we were making into the the digital apps, there was often the question that was pushed back to us in terms of, well, but why? Why are we focusing on app development when really the majority of the population are still using USSD even on their phones to access that data is expensive? So even the use of apps, for instance, is limiting because... People need data connectivity to be able to access the, the use of those apps. But that's changing, right? It's exciting to see that even in smartphone penetration, the cost point is reducing over time and it's, it's becoming more affordable and more accessible. You are finding a lot of consumer lending models that are also being introduced to help people with sort of the affordability of smartphones, which have become so central as well to not just from a financial services perspective, but in order to access healthcare services and in order to trade, to to buy goods and services. And so the investment that going into deepening that access and reducing the cost of, of data and accessibility will start meaning that there's a lot more room for innovation and development into problem solving around like FinTech on the back of more smartphone driven applications.
0: Can you give us an overview of the fintech scene in Africa in general at the moment Then, some of the key trends and development areas that you're seeing there, maybe aside from the mobile monies?
1: Okay, so this one's interesting because I think when I started, I thought I was a fintech investor, but then deep down, I think I was in denial because I, I realized that maybe I'm actually just a generalist because I mean everything and, and I mean everything that was coming across my desk at some point, even if it was by virtue of the fact that they had a bank account and they could move money around, but almost everything that was in the startup space was being was identifying as FinTech in essence. It may or may not have had something to do with the fact that most of the funding that was pouring into the ecosystem was driven towards FinTech, but it's true to some extent, right? FinTech is an enabler and you see it playing across multiple different spaces and, and industries. And so... One of the things that is interesting around fintech in Africa for me, anyhow, is that there isn't necessarily a lot of pure play fintech. Often you need to solve, before you try to solve for X, whatever your X is, you need to try and solve for multiple things before you get to your your holy grail. So an example, when I was still working with the bank, we were looking to build a, a payment solution, essentially, that would solve for payment rails really for SMEs importing from China. But the reality was that in order for us to solve for just like the payment rails, what we actually needed to go back and do was to solve or build a business that solves for small businesses importing goods from China, like full stop. You need to almost solve the entire ecosystem around this before you can solve for the very specific thing that you you set out to do. You'll see similar things in in lending as well, where if someone is saying, hey, I'd like to build a lending model that supports X, Y, Z, but the reality is you've got no credit history, data, or anything really to build your typical credit models off of. So now you have to go and build an ecosystem that will allow you access to data that will then allow you to develop credit models for you to be able to offer lending to a group or a subset of a particular economy, right? So there's a lot of hybrid world that exists around Fintech in Africa. But beyond that, I would say that there's definitely a lot of movement, particularly around infrastructure within financial services. You'll see, still see quite a bit of activity around payments and lending. I think the credit industry in, in Africa as a whole is still pretty nascent. So there is a lot that is being introduced and tested and developed for really the first time in most markets. But really, the thing that I'm probably still the most excited about is within sort of cross-border payments, whether it's B2B, B2C, it's still such a point of friction at this rate that you still see quite a lot of room or opportunity for new solutions to come into play there.
0: Excellent. And which markets would you say have been seeing the most kind of activity and investment over the continent as well?
1: Historically, definitely the big four, and I'll say this in alphabetical order so I don't start regional wars, but Egypt, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, are the biggest markets in Africa by a large margin. They've also possibly in the last year taken the, the hardest hit in terms of funding activity, but they are still by and large probably the most mature markets in the ecosystem. I spend a lot of energy and focus in those markets as well because Commerce Ventures, we're we're latest sort of growth stage fund and we invest in cost series A to, to C and in Africa, really probably more B and C so I do tend to look at the markets that are more likely to be able to have a stronger pipeline of later stage opportunities in that regard.
0: I mean, opportunities and growth, are you seeing then outside of the big four maybe? Which markets would you say been traditionally overlooked by investors and founders that are seeing a lot of activity at the moment?
1: I'll tell you my favorite. It's not a country per se, it's more of a region. Francophone West Africa, right? So a couple of years ago, I started going out to, to Senegal. And I was genuinely blown away by the fact that I think in order to get from the airport to the hotel, I got completely stuck because I had absolutely no cash. And, you know, for some reason I hadn't occurred to me to get cash, but all of the usual technology that I rely on to get on in life just was inaccessible to me. Uber wasn't a thing, you know, I couldn't tap and pay. I, you know, it, it just was an ecosystem that was just like ripe for disruption. I was like, oh my God, there's so much I can think of doing here. But the more time I've spent in that market, it, it kind of made me realize that it's bigger than just Senegal. And this is the interesting part around sort of Francophone West Africa is you can almost start to, in, in some ways, start think about them as one collective market because this, the unique setup in that region is actually quite different from um, most of the rest of the continent in that uh, among these number of countries that, for instance, make up, the, make up the Wyoming region, they all speak the same language. They have a language in common. They all have the same currency, which is fairly stable because I think it's pegged to the euro, and they're all more or less governed by one central bank that speaks to the the regulatory environment in those regions. So suddenly, this one country actually becomes a handful of countries around it when you can start looking at, hey, the market potential um, and the opportunity to scale within this is much larger than just this one opportunity. And I think this region often gets overlooked because people are still almost thinking about it individually as in like, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, and, you know, what are the independent markets within that? But when you start thinking bigger, actually, it's a massive opportunity that just you don't see unless you're kind of there and within that, and you speak French, you know, that's helpful (laughs) to, to a large extent. But yeah.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it kind of leads nicely into my next question, which is obviously you've got across Africa, 54 countries all with different needs priorities. I mean, what challenges exist there for fintech looking to expand then into different markets and across the continent? How have companies been looking to to overcome that?
1: Well, I mean, for all the reasons that I I love Francophone West Africa, it's it's, exactly why it becomes super difficult trying to to expand or think about that in the same way across the rest of the continent. It's not just the different currencies, it's the the different languages, the different regulatory bodies and environments, the different levels of, of digitization as well, and connectivity and tech infrastructure that exists within those markets as well. I think the first rule of trying to do technology in Africa is just do not copy and paste. And that applies within Africa as well. So you cannot underestimate the complexity of regulatory or distribution, you know, the logistics around moving from one country to the next. And I think it's important to almost avoid the... I guess, the glamour of having expanded into a large market without necessarily understanding the, the nuances of the problem you're trying to solve in that specific market. So, for instance, a lot of startups will emerge in various markets and the big objective for them is to expand into the likes of Nigeria. It's a massive market and you know, they feel like once they've made it there, they can conquer the world, right? And not a lot of people understand how complex just even expanding within Nigeria can be that even thinking about Nigeria as one large economy is probably a false premise in the sense that Nigeria is really made up of multiple small sort of micro economies. And you can't come in with the objective of I'm going to solve for Nigeria. You really need to almost like drill in and pick this tiny little segment within that and be like, yeah, I'm going to solve for this and then take that and expand that into different areas. So there's a lot of fragmented pieces within the ecosystem across different levels, I guess, that make it more complex to navigate. But it also keeps things rather interesting, I would say, trying to navigate and predict what's coming next in all these different markets. But sometimes it really is, you know, going to a new market is almost starting afresh, really, in terms of problem solving, in terms of mobile money, actually, is a fantastic example of this. Mobile money was birthed really in East Africa, out of Kenya, for the most part, and M-Pesa, which is the original story around mobile money, tried to launch in South Africa a number of times and failed. Most people couldn't understand as in, how is this very successful model failing to replicate in market like South Africa? And it's not that it couldn't be successful. I think no one had thought to sort of adjust the problem statement that they were solving for at the time. Whereas in Kenya, the original story that I told you on most people not having access to cards, et cetera, was very relevant and true. South Africa probably has the highest card penetration in all of Africa, significantly above most other African countries. And so that problem didn't really exist. Most people had cards. And so making payments and transferring money, et cetera, wasn't really as much a problem as it was then. So trying to lift that solution and drop it in South Africa backfired. A number of times. I think it's probably on its fourth or fifth attempt now. Let's see if this pans out, but it will be interesting to see the lessons that come out of there.
0: Commerce Ventures, I mean, must obviously have its kind of view globally, right, in terms of the investments that you're aiming for. What kind of parallels do you think exist between the African and the European fintech ecosystems and in terms of the areas countries across the continent are looking to address and how they're going about addressing them?
1: So funny enough, if you ask the the partners at Comets Ventures in terms of like, so what led to, you know, thinking around. So I joined Comets Ventures about just under two years ago, and we were on our third fund at the time, which is a 300 million euro fund that's investing across the US, Europe, Africa. But if you ask them sort of what led to the decision to start focusing or start actively involved, including Africa as part of our official mandate it was actually because of what they felt were a lot of similarities between Africa and Europe. And you're dealing with a lot of different cultures in that same context. You're dealing with a lot of different languages. There's some things that the EU had going for it that Africa did not, at least largely, uh, with the exception maybe of the West African sort of Francophone region that I just mentioned, in that you've got these central governing or regulatory structures that make it easier to expand, I guess, into different markets as well. And you've got a common currency. That's always helpful when you're looking at uh, markets that have this complexity, right? And one of the things I remember when I first started spending time in Germany, I was surprised by how dominant like cash still is in large parts of Germany. I had a similar experience actually to what I had in Senegal. One time I got to the airport and couldn't leave because I don't have cash. Because none of the taxis around would accept card payments or anything like that, and it just blew my mind. And I was like, "Really, in Germany?" And I'm sure that's something that probably like translates to other European countries as well. And so I love when I come across fintechs so or you know other tech companies in, in Africa telling me, "Yeah, yeah, they've just set up shop in Germany or you know France or somewhere else because they found that they actually saved solving for some similar problem." in those markets. And it's fantastic that you know, an innovation that is coming out of an African country is relevant and applicable to solving problems in what you deem as much more developed economies, right? But one of the key differences maybe that I'll highlight in terms of what I've seen between African and European ecosystems for this is that most fintech perhaps is, in Europe, anyhow, is probably solving more for efficiency. On user experience. Whereas a lot of what you come across in Africa is still solving for very primary needs at this rate, right? So when you see a neobank in France or in London or somewhere pop up, and it's just another neobank that is maybe offering like a slightly differentiated experience or offering. But when you see a near bank popping up in an African market, a lot of the times it means that the majority of the people that are signing up, they have access to financial services for maybe the very first time in their lives and the entire ecosystem that that begins to open up to them when you are able to move in, in a digital global ecosystem. So I find the things, or at least that are being sold for the opportunities and solutions that are coming out of Africa, I, find, I still find very fascinating. I find them intriguing because it's not that the, the problems are unique to Africa per se, but I think the solutions oftentimes you'll find are, are fairly unique because we don't necessarily have access to the same resources or infrastructure that Europe does. I mean, you
0: must speak to a lot of, of fintech founders and, and leaders in your role as well. Can you share any advice and perspectives that you've learned from them when it comes to getting started and, and growing a, a fintech in, in Africa?
1: One of the things that I've discovered at least around this the Africa ecosystem in and it's very nascent. I mean, we've got to remember that it's it's a still a very young ecosystem from a, a tech and fintech perspective as well, right? Is that the ecosystem by and large is very people orientated right? It's very relational. It's not so much on and I don't know if this is a factor of it being still so nascent and we're sort of just at the beginning of the journey really. But I find it very much kind of a mentality of everyone understands that we don't win unless we all win. So it's super collaborative. And as a result, it has accelerated a lot of our learning curves, I guess, as an ecosystem. And the things that I really enjoy in terms of the engagement, whether it's other people in the fintech space or in other investors, is that they're very open to sharing a lot of their lessons in terms of this is where I went wrong either as making an investment goes or as building my, my first startup. And this is how I want to help you make sure that you don't make the same mistakes. And I really enjoy that within this ecosystem. And I don't find that a lot in other ecosystems where maybe a lot of people you know, hold their cards you know, very closely to their chest and it's closed circles, let me put it that way. And so I think the advice which is probably quite deeply embedded just in in African culture really, is around, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, to raise a fintech, to to raise a startup really. And everyone has a role to play in that. And I think that spirit and that essence very much transcends into this venture tech ecosystem that we're building here today as well.
0: Excellent. And from a funding perspective, obviously things globally, it's been a bit of a slowdown in terms of funding. There's still quite a few deals going around, but maybe quite not uh, hitting so much of the, the, the highs that we were seeing maybe in 2020, 2021. From that point of view, I mean, how has that kind of slowdown in FinTech funding impacted companies in Africa and, and what funding trends are you seeing there now at the moment?
1: It's pretty much the same as everywhere else. It's maybe happened slower and the impact has been slightly softer in Africa because I believe the models that you find are a lot more resilient the point that I mentioned earlier where you're solving for still very fundamental problems. The longevity and I think the lifespan of the solutions themselves tend to be a bit more resilient to macro shocks. But yes, there has 100% been a slowdown. And a lot of that was actually a result of sort of more international funds pulling out of the ecosystem. I think the actual sort of the local ecosystem in itself, just my impression is that it's still fairly active. There's been less of the sort of international funds coming in and less activity in that sense as a result of what's happening around the world. But it's interesting to see that even at very early stages, there's still quite a lot of activity going on and the opportunity and quality of deals that are being done are still quite high. But we have not been spared the global outcome really. But it it definitely took much longer. I I would say I think last year one could look at the numbers and say definitely we're here now a little late to the party. But I suspect it will also probably follow a similar trajectory to to the rest of the world in that regard.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. On that front, I mean, what can you tell us about Commerce Ventures' fintech investment strategy? Then, in general, are there any technologies that you're particularly focused on or, or most excited about going forward?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, we are growth stage, right? Early growth stage, series A to C, we are constantly, I guess, looking for exceptional people doing exceptional things, right? Within FinTech, I think there are four key pillars that we focus our investment thesis around. The first would be what I call the typical fintech stuff that you'll see. So around sort of payments, lending, et cetera, right? The second is we have quite a number of insured tech-related investments in our portfolio. And that's become one of our key pillars from an investment perspective. We also have a bit in the DeFi crypto space that we, that we focused on. And the most recent that we coined almost the term for, actually, and introduced in our, in our current third fund was around climate fintech which has also become quite a key pillar for us from a focus perspective. So we're always looking for opportunities that are scalable, you know, highly scalable, solution-oriented technology with really strong exit potential in whatever markets we are, and to partner with founders that we can back and support above and beyond the, the capital core. So it's really just a opportunity where we can see ourselves adding value and the founders and the management team, it's such a feeling that they're really getting value from having us on the table and as a sparring partner and strategic partner, and really just in building the business to the full potential that we saw when we made that investment. So we're also, you know, always on the lookout for what are some of the new opportunities that we can start shifting our attention and building out a a thesis around that. But that's in the pipeline is there's a lot of broader trends that have been emerging, you know, outside of FinTech specifically. But like I keep saying, I think FinTech is really just a generalist field. So they all impact us in one way or the other.
0: That sounds great. And obviously, as we record now, we're coming towards the end of, of January. Looking ahead to to the rest of the year, maybe from a, a, an Africa's perspective, I mean, what would you say are some of the key areas of growth to, to keep an eye on over there, and what gaps do you think exist at the moment that fintech could potentially look to solve?
1: Probably more the things that are at least in my mind still top of the list are around infrastructure. There's still quite a few gaps in that regard, but also around the enablement, really, and execution of cross-border payments has become quite a and has been for some time, to be fair, a big topic in terms of what do we have available to us? And what are we missing in terms of of solving this at almost the bottom line? I see so much coming out in this space, particularly, right? But most of it still misses the salient points in terms of what it's actually trying to solve for. So I think there's much more room for opportunity or at least opportunity for growth in those two in particular. But I would say that, you know, broadly speaking, I think technology is an enabler within an ecosystem, right? So how do we use it to improve, like, the quality of life? And fintech even more so, right? Because whatever industry you're in, someone is paying for something. Like, right? money is always moving in, in some shape or form, right? So I would follow the industry really, and find out what is driving the growth in Africa, right? So we've got a lot of discussions around this year, especially kicking off African free trade agreements. We'll be spawning probably a lot of trade, manufacturing, mining, whatever the case is. And in all these industries, you'll find that there is a strong level of digitization that is happening, right? And you'll also find that there are a lot of niche solutions that are emerging alongside them to support the ecosystems that form around them from a financial perspective. And I suspect we'll start seeing a lot of those developments in terms of how fintech is actually growing in more in order to support the actual growth in the country. So not sort of growing as a vertical on its own, really, but in tandem to the verticals that are actually driving the growth across the continent.
0: Thank you so much again for taking the time out to speak for us today, Hangui. Um, To close out the podcast, we now have our infamous FinTech Gels. This is where we ask for an industry term, buzzword or trend that you've seen or heard enough of. So what is your selection then for this week?
1: If, if I hear one more person ask me about the funding freeze, I might, <laughs> I might cause someone serious harm. But yeah, no, I, I think the the freeze, winter, any variation of that, yes, we get it. It's things have slowed down, and I would like to sort of divert the attention back to all right. So now what? Where are we going to next? Right. So where do we want to focus our energy from a growth perspective, and instead of the sometimes forced anxiety around what that funding freeze means. And I always tell a lot of founders in Africa that you know, are worried or spooked around this. And I was like, well, is, is the problem that you're solving for still relevant? Yes. Has the capital dried out? Well, yes and no. Some capital has left, but there's still a lot of capital that is within the ecosystem. So how do you tap into that? And if a lot of your funding is dependent on external Western sources of capital, then maybe another problem that we need to start solving for within this ecosystem is how do we drive more local capital? into VC and fintech and then just the startup ecosystem overall. So yes, enough enough with the freeze. Things are warming up <laughs> again, hopefully. And yeah, looking forward to, to turning the heat up in that regard.
0: Excellent. Now that's, uh, that sounds good. So I mean, on that front, I mean, what's the current sentiment like then in the industry at the moment? Is there optimism, I guess, that things will start to, to kind of improve going forward?
1: Yes, I think if we are one thing as a people, we are eternal optimists. And so, yes, generally there's a lot of of optimism. And I I think a lot of it is is driven by actual core fundamentals, right? The understanding that the things that are actually being solved for, and I'm not just saying this, but really by and large across Africa are still very relevant today as they were two, three years ago at the peak of at least the the funding cycles and, and, and growth in VC in Africa, right? So those problems have not gone away. The solutions are only getting better because you strip out a lot of the opportunistic growth that comes in in a time where cash feels flush. And so you strip out a lot, a lot of that and you really have the founders and investors that have their heads down and focused on really solving the problem. And those are the kind of people that are going to start seeing the, the really outsized returns from the space in terms of the investment that they make and the doubling down that they do right now. There's more to come. Watch, definitely watch the space. I'm excited. I'm excited by what lies ahead as other things sort of start shaping up across the continent, especially in, in regards to to trade. I think we'll also start seeing a lot more movement influencing technology and venture tech ecosystem by and large in that regard as well.
0: Sounds great. Well, then, I mean, I'm, in which case, I'm more than happy to, to throw this into the jail. And like I say, maybe I don't want to overstate the, the power of our, our fintech jail at the moment. Maybe if this is cast away, then like you said, people will stop talking about it and we'll start to see a, a lot more money flowing around and yeah, the, the industry flourishing a lot more this year. So I'm more than happy to throw this one in.
1: You know, I saw the prisoners that are being held in different yeah. picture <laughs> and I saw one of the first ones I saw was cash and I was like, no, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's still there, <laughs> but I was like, it's still so relevant here, let it out. Yeah. yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Very interesting talking to you and um, your listeners.
0: Excellent. Now, thank you again so much for, for coming along and, and joining us, Hangwe. It's been great. Well, that's all we have time for for this episode. Thanks, of course, to Hangwe for joining me. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at fintechfutures.com, on X at Fintech Futures, and of course on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service get notified about future episodes thanks as well to arama for editing this podcast you can check them out at arama.tv as always thank you very much for your support we'll see you soon for another episode of what the fintech but until then goodbye